This is Josh Smith, pastor of Prince Avenue Baptist Church in Bogart, Georgia. Our mission at Prince is simple, leading people to trust and follow Jesus. And it's our hope that this sermon would help accomplish that mission. For more information about our church, visit us at pabc.org. It's really fun together every week, open the word of God with an expectation every week that every one of us can be changed as a result of what God does in the next few minutes. That's a great, that's a great way to come to church with expectation. So take your Bibles this morning and turn with me if you would to Hebrews chapter 12. I know uh, a lot of students from the mix are here and a lot of their families are here. It is our normal habit. We do three things on Sunday morning. We preach, we pray, and we sing. And uh, we're usually going through a book of the Bible and we are in Hebrews chapter 12 this morning, we'll be in verses 12 through 17. Um, really anxious, excited in a positive way about what I believe the Lord's going to do in these moments together. Growing up, my mom had this little sign that was right above the sink. And so if you were standing at the sink, uh, there was some pictures uh, of all of her sons, more of, of her, her, her last son. There's a few more of him there. So uh, he was the favorite. All of the sons here. And then uh, there's a little plaque that was right there. And it, and it said the strangest thing. I remember this growing up. Matter of fact, I called my mom this week and said, Mom, I remember this. Is this true? She goes, yes, it was there your whole growing up. And it just never made sense to me much as a kid, but it, but it simply said this, most of the things in the world are done by tired people. That was my mom's word of encouragement every day when she stood at the sink. And I really did never understand it. It never made much sense to me until I became an adult. And then I realized that's exactly right. Like almost everything done in the world is done by tired people. And I just have to believe that the reason my mom had that there is because as she stood there at the end of the evening with what she would say as her nerves being frayed and uh, all of these you know kids standing around, everybody needing something and having worked hard all day and then continuing to work hard, I think she just needed a reminder that the way she was feeling at that moment was normal. We're just tired people. And there's something honestly good about that. You've heard me say this so many times. I believe you're supposed to go to school and work hard. You come home and you work hard and you go to bed tired and rest well. Men, you've heard me say this. I believe that you're to go to work and work hard. You're to come home and work hard. And you're to get in bed every night and you're to feel tired. That's how you should feel at the end of the day. You should feel as if you have, like Jesus said in John 17, I've done everything you asked me to do. And so you accomplished all of the work and you get in that bed and you turn off the devices and you just sleep well because you're tired and you've worked hard. That is a good and a right and a healthy feeling of someone who understands the responsibilities God has given them and takes them seriously. But there are times in our lives in which that feeling of being tired and maybe feeling of being exhausted can go beyond that to a feeling of discouragement. Discouragement. Sometimes in the midst of our exhaustion, we're not just tired and need rest. We feel like this dark cloud can come over us and when we just start to feel discouraged. The word courage means having the strength to endure. 
It means I, I know that what's ahead of me is hard, and I know that tomorrow will have more challenges, but I believe that by the grace of God and through the power of his spirit, I've got the strength to endure. Not in the flesh, but it's this ability to go to bed at night and know that no matter what is facing me tomorrow, I, I, I think I've got it by God's strength and power. He's going to be sufficient for me and my weaknesses and my challenges. And so you can go to bed encouraged. But to be discouraged means that you don't feel like you have the strength to endure. You're not sure you can make it another day of school. You're not sure you can make it another day navigating that difficult relationship. You're not positive that you can wake up in the morning and do it all over again. I heard a pastor named John Bloom say one time that discouragement is hopelessness with a side of cynicism. Discouragement means that you really get to the place where you're not positive. Anything's ever going to get better. Things are always going to be hard and always going to be difficult and things have not been easy for you in the past and they're not going to be easy in the future. And then you start to think, well, maybe that's because God's against me and everyone else is against me and I'm alone in this and no one understands. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? It's just that dark cloud of discouragement. This text this morning is written to tired people. Not just that, it's written to discourage people. And it's understandable if you've been with us in this journey through Hebrews and you are aware of everything they're going through and particularly what we saw in chapter 10. These are people who have made an incredibly difficult decision that some of you need to make this morning and that a number of students already made this morning and that is to leave the old ways and the old paths and to choose to follow Jesus Christ. But for them, they were leaving the old, deeply rooted system of Judaism and embracing the new covenant, covenant of, of life in Jesus and joy in Jesus. But by doing so, they now face the pressure of their family pulling them back, the pressure of culture pulling them back, the pressure of demonic influences pulling them back, and the pressure of persecution. So this is being written to people who daily are having their property taken from them, we know in chapter 10, because they walk with Jesus. They're being publicly shamed and ridiculed because of their walk with Jesus. They're losing friendships because of their walk with Jesus. And they're tired. <laughs> the author is afraid that they're going to go beyond tired and they might feel that dark cloud of, of discouragement come over them. Now listen, it may not be that you in your life have experienced those same types of things, but I can assure you, all of us have been there. We've all been tired. We've all been discouraged. We've all faced these moments in which we weren't sure we could make it again. We all looked at the future at times with a sense of cynicism and hopelessness. We're not sure if it's going to get better. We're not sure God is for us. We don't feel like we have the strength to endure, and we can just get spiritually physically, emotionally exhausted. We have to be careful. Because over and over in the book of Hebrews, it tells us the same thing with one key word. It tells us that the primary quality needed in order to be faithful with Jesus until the very end and inherit the fullness of everything God has for us is that we need endurance. 
Hebrews 10, 36, you have need of endurance. After having received the promises of God, you might take hold of everything that God has for us. Chapter 12, one through three, you need to run the race with endurance. Why? Because Jesus endured and Jesus endured. And then in chapter 12, verse seven, it says, it's for discipline that you have to endure. And so the whole book of Hebrews is written to say, listen, we gotta stay faithful to the very end. You have to have endurance. In other words, you have to have courage. And so all of a sudden, discouragement, which might just feel like this, this, this little feeling that I get from time to time and I have to ignore it. Listen, all of a sudden, we see a spiritually dangerous because discouragement is removing the primary thing we need every day to walk with Jesus, and that's the strength to endure. This text is for discouraged people. And it really serves two purposes. On one hand, it shows us what discouragement looks like and reminds us of the dangers of discouragement. This is important for us because discouragement can lead us in a very, very damaging path. But then on the other side, it talks about the power of encouragement. The dangers of discouragement and the power of encouragement. All of that is found in Hebrews 12, verses 12 through 17. If you're there in God's word, say amen. Listen to these words. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears." What this text wants us to see is that discouragement can destroy a life, but encouragement can save a life. Discouragement can destroy a life, but encouragement can save a life. Let's look at both of those from the text. First of all, discouragement can destroy a life. It's dangerous. That feeling of discouragement coming over us is a dangerous thing. So the whole word picture here in verse 12 is really the same word picture as we began this chapter with. Remember verses one through three where it tells us to run the race with endurance? So it's telling us as believers to run. And not only just run aimlessly, but to run the race that's set before us. That's the race of following Jesus Christ. So when you decide to be a Christian, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm gonna run the race with Jesus. I'm gonna embrace his path and, and his way and his life. That's the race set before us, the race of trusting and following Jesus. It says, run that race with endurance. Every day, thinking about Jesus. Every day, walking with Jesus, not giving up. It says we not only run it with endurance, we run it with our eyes on Jesus. Because it's, it's his race, it's his road, and we know that we're going to end up going the direction in which we look, and so because we want to follow Jesus, listen, we have to constantly be turning our eyes back to Jesus. Every day we're doing this all over the place, and every day we say, no, 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 eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus, because I want to go that direction. And it even says this, we run for the joy 
Jesus ran for the joy set before him, and we run for the joy set before us. So a couple of weeks I told you, as we choose by faith to run with Jesus, we get his joy. And as we finish the race, we get his fullness of joy. Like you have to believe this by faith that there is joy in running with Jesus. And at the end of the race, exhausted, having spent all of ourselves for the cause of Christ, we get the fullness of his joy. You have to believe that the joy is there when you run with Jesus. But the author knows that that's a hard journey. And so he encourages them in the text we saw a couple of weeks ago that this suffering of ours, the difficulty of ours in life is really a part of life. And it doesn't mean that God's against you if you're suffering. It may mean that you're actually a child of God and he wants to train you for righteousness. He wants to do something good in your life. It could be evidence of the fact that he's fathering you, not punishing you. And he's got good things in store for you. And so he encourages us with that. But then after that, he says this, but I still know that given everything that you're going through in life, it's easy to feel the way people feel in verse 12, drooping hands and weak knees. So if the metaphor is we're running the race, what's happening is here is they've gotten to the place where they don't have the strength to do this anymore. So no more of this. They just don't have the strength to move their arms. And so they might still be shuffling their feet, right? You've seen people run like this. They're just kind of shuffling their feet. They're calling it running. It may not qualify as running, but they're shuffling. But the, the, the arms aren't moving any longer. It's one of the first things to go. Your arms don't move. And then, and then the knees, which were bounding with long strides and steps full of energy, they start getting weak. And he says, I know some of you are feeling this way. That could be you this morning. Like you, you remember a time in which you were running and the arms were going and the, the knees were strengthened. But if you're honest about your life and your spiritual life, maybe relational life, physical life, yeah, the arms are, are drooping and the knees are weak. And in that context, he, he quotes there in verse 12, a really beautiful passage from Isaiah 35. See, Isaiah 35 was written to exiled Jews who once had been in the promised land and had the fullness of all of God's promises, but they lost it because they're disobedient. And so here's uh, kind of generations later, a, a group of people who've been exiled and they've lost the temple, they've lost their land, they've lost their sovereignty. And all they've heard their whole life is God has great things for you. Have you ever heard that? But, but, but it doesn't feel like God has great things for them. Like that message they heard doesn't seem to be resonating at the present moment. And so in Isaiah 35, the prophet Isaiah has been given a word of God to encourage the people. And listen, listen to what he says. Strengthen the weak hands. This is where he gets this. And make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart. Anybody this morning? Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. And the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness. I love this. And God will bring streams in your deserts. And the burning sand shall become a pool. And the thirsty ground is going to spring up with water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. And the unclean shall not pass over it. It shall belong to those who walk the way. 
Even if they are fools, they shall not go astray. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, for the redeemed are going to walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and singing shall all flee away, and the sighing shall all flee away. So what the prophet is saying to these discouraged people who feel like they're going to stop running, no, keep running because there's good ahead for you. You know what he's doing? He's giving them hope. The best is yet to come. I know it's hard and I know you're weary and I know you don't feel like running any longer, but I assure you those who continue to run with the Lord are going to receive the Lord's best. So hang on and be hopeful and be faithful. And then after that, he, he quotes another Old Testament passage. Look, he says, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Why? Because God is good. He's for you. He's with you. He's got good things for you. And then he says, and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint. Now, that's another quote, and that one's from Proverbs 4. So in Proverbs 4, this father is speaking to a son, and he's saying, son, I'm worried about you that you might be distracted by those who don't walk with Jesus and you might, instead of walking the way, you might choose to walk another way. And that's where he gets this next phrase. Look at what he says here in Proverbs 4. He says, my son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Why? Why should you stay close to the Lord? For those words of the Lord are life to those who find them and healing to their flesh. So keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Here it is. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left and turn your foot away from evil. What he's saying is this. He's saying that what happens when you get tired? Listen, I'm just talking physically tired, emotionally tired. Here's what happens. It's when you get tired, you stop pondering the path of your feet. You stop being careful about the way you're going and the way you're walking. And what he says here in verse 13, if you don't make straight paths for your feet, if you don't walk the way of Jesus, if you get off of that way, look what happens. Then what's lame is going to be put out of joint and not be healed. So the word picture is this. You get tired and your arms start to droop and your knees start to get weak and you're just tired. You're just flat tired. Nothing wrong with that. You're just tired. But what can happen when you're tired is this, is you're no longer careful about the way in which you're walking and then you get off of the path of holiness and then once you get off of the path of holiness, you get hurt and then when you get hurt, you know what happens? You get more discouraged. And so here you are, you're tired and maybe a little bit discouraged. And the first thing to go when you're tired is usually your walk with Jesus Christ. Well, pastor, I'm really tired. We just, our family needs a Sunday at home. Exact opposite of what your family needs. Pastor, I'm tired. I just, I don't, I don't have it. I, I try to read my Bible in the morning. I'm tired. I, I try to read at night. I'm, I'm tired. And so you don't. And the result is that as you continue to not walk the path of righteousness, the way of holiness, as it says, then the result is you get off of the path and you get injured and make things worse. 
And then you have this downward spiral of being injured. And this is the whole point of these verses 13 and 14 is that it is a warning to us that when you get tired, you lose focus. And when you lose focus, you get off the path. And when you get off the path, you normally do something stupid. Any of you? It's just true. I think, I think this will resonate with you. When you're tired, every besetting sin you have has the greatest opportunity to take you down. Do you know this? You feel that? And when you're just tired, like you're just physically tired, you're spent. It is at that moment in which there is this massive wide open door for every besetting sin. And most people fall into sin when they're simply tired. And they're just, they stopped running. But, but here's the sad part of that. Is that in that moment, by walking through that open door of sin, when you're tired, you have made everything worse. And you've brought greater discouragement upon yourself. And, and it took me a while to figure out why at the end of this text, there's this story of Esau. Do you, do you see that there? It says, make sure that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. It may not seem like a big deal to you, but his birthright was the right he gets as being the firstborn. And everything, everything flows out of that. That's the right of the inheritance. That's the right of the father's blessing. That's the right of being in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's everything. Everything he had in his future, everything God wanted to give him. Listen, all of God's best was the birthright. He sold it. And then he was grieved later that he had sold it. And he wanted his birthright back. But what this text is saying is not that he tried to repent and God wouldn't hear him. It's that even though he was sad that he lost his birthright, he never repented and wanted to be right back with God. Because having lost all of this, he got more angry and cynical. But I still thought, well, what does that have to do with this text? <laughs> and then I went back and read that really quick story. L listen, listen to this. And listen if there's a word here mentioned twice that might help us to understand why this illustration is here. Listen. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I am exhausted. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and he sold his birthright. He sold all of the blessing of God, all of his future, everything God wanted to do in his life. He sold it for a piece of bread and lentil stew. He ate and drank and he rose and he went his way. You know why Esau gave up everything that God wanted to do in his life in that moment? He was tired. He was exhausted, I don't care. Take my birth, I'm exhausted, I have to have something to eat. What he did in that moment is the exact opposite of what he should have done all of us have a tendency when we're tired and exhausted to make really poor decisions. And so the question is this, well, then what do we do when we're tired? Like when you're physically tired, emotionally tired, you feel like you can't give any more else, what do you do? Here's what the text tells us to do. And it's counterintuitive, but I assure you, this is the right thing to do. You know what you do when you're tired and you're weary? There's that open door for sin, listen to me. What you do is you run harder and faster than you've ever run before. 
<laughs> well, that, that's impossible. Like, I, I've, I got nothing left. No, here's the deal. We talked about this multiple times over the last few weeks, that when you choose by faith to run after Jesus, you're running after rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. are you tired and discouraged, weak and heavy laden? Come to me and I will give you rest. You see, here's the deal. You're not running because you need courage, but the only one that's got courage is Jesus. And so in that moment, when you feel like doing nothing, the right response is to run more towards Jesus, harder towards Jesus. When you don't feel like going to church because you're tired, you go to church. When you don't feel like opening the word of God because you're tired, you turn off the device and you open up the word of God. And instead of getting more tired and more discouraged, you know what happens? You get refreshed. It's an act of faith to say, I'm tired and I'm weary and I don't know if I can make it tomorrow, so I'm gonna open this. And I'm going to find from the word of God, by the power of the spirit of God, the courage I need to make it tonight and tomorrow. He says, listen, if you're discouraged, run faster and harder towards Jesus than you ever have before because he has the encouragement you need. But beware of the danger of being discouraged and that spiral of sin that happens in our life when we get lazy in our run with Jesus. But the other part of this text is, is not just the danger of discouragement and the way in which it can take down a life, but it's the power of encouragement. Listen to this. If discouragement can destroy a life, encouragement can save a life. That's the other part of this. Encouragement can save a life. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little risk here. I'm going to be vulnerable. I've been thinking about how this manifests itself in my life. And I'm hoping this is true of you because if it's not true of you and just me, I'm just going to look pitiful and immature, which has happened right here before. So it's fine. Okay. So here, here's what happens in my life. So I, I'm tired. I'm working hard and I'm giving myself fully, right? I, I try to work hard at work. I try to work hard at home. And, and then because I'm tired, I get a little bit irritable. And what I'm wanting right then is everyone to stop and tell me they know how tired I am. And they know how hard I'm working. And I just want everyone to just turn towards me for like an extended period of time. And just, just talk about me a lot. Be super thankful for me. Serve me for a couple of days. Right? Now here's what happens. At times, not everybody does that. So I get more irritable. Like, and then I think, well, no one, no one understands. It's like Esau saying, I'm going to die. You're, dude, you're not going to die. You're going to be fine. Like, but that's what happens. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. Then I get more irritable and then I close down for the night. And then it's just, it's a pitiful sight. Am I the only one that's ever, can I get, like, is anybody else? I know, come on, guys, you've done this, right? <laughs> like, I see this pattern in my life all of the time. And so here's what, what I'm realizing. When I feel tired and discouraged, what, I, what happens is everything turns internal. Me, I need everyone to appreciate me. I need everyone to talk to me. And so, like, what I was hoping this text would do is say, so, so tell everyone that they need to give you more attention. So I can't find it. I've read this like 20 times. I can't find it anywhere. So when I'm feeling discouraged, and I feel like I need encouragement, the answer is counterintuitive. So remember the first one? I'm feeling tired. What do I do? Run, 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 run. Run after Jesus. I'm feeling discouraged. What do I do? Here's the answer. Encourage somebody. Encourage somebody. Like it's right there. Do you see that starting in verse, in verse 15? 
It says, see to it. See to it. Now, I, it's really interesting. I've never noticed this before. That word, see to it, is the Greek word that is most often used to refer to a pastor. 1 Timothy 3 says, if anyone wants the, the position of an overseer, and it gives the qualifications of a pastor. 1 Peter 5, a pastor should oversee the flock. That's the word, see to it, overseer. It means someone who watches over somebody, who cares for somebody, who's looking out and giving oversight over the people, but it's not used to talk to a pastor. It's used to talk to you. See to it, be giving oversight. Be caring, be watching over those around you. So at the moment in which you want to turn everything internal, it says, no, 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 let me tell you what to do. See to it, be watching, be overseeing, be constantly looking for three groups of people right here. Look, verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up, that no one, verse 16, is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. What it means is, we're to be looking out very carefully, watching for people who fail to obtain the grace of God. What that means is this. The grace of God is the help that you need when you're tired. And oftentimes we see people when they're tired grab onto everything else except the grace of God. And when you see someone doing that, what you say is, listen, you're grabbing the wrong things. No, take hold of the grace of God. Don't miss the grace of God. I know you're discouraged. I know you're tired, but he's got what you need. And so we're looking for someone who might not be grabbing onto the right thing and we get involved in their lives. We also are looking for those who have a root of bitterness. They have a harbored hurt. Somebody hurt them, they haven't let it go. And so they're wounded, they're broken. Maybe they're lashing out and everything in us wants us to lash out with them. But it's saying, listen, see to it. Be looking for someone who's hurt. Be looking for someone who's broken. Be looking for someone who feels overwhelmed by what's happened in their past. And it says, look out for those like Esau, who because they're tired, start making some foolish decisions and, and leave the path of life and start spiraling in the wrong direction. Let me ask you something. Do you know anyone in your life that's in one of those categories? Anyone that's not taking a hold of the grace and the help of God, anyone that might have some hurt that is causing all kinds of problems and bad decisions, anyone like Esau that has failed to continue to run after the Lord and are causing all kinds of trouble in their own lives, what this passage says is this, instead of talking about them, why don't you talk to them? Instead of watching them from a distance, why don't you get close? Instead of just waiting for everyone to do this to you, why don't you go do this to someone else? Look at them, find them, be watching. Anytime you see anyone around you that fits into one of these categories, the cure for our own discouragement is to step into their lives and encourage them. And it's the exact opposite of what we want to do in that moment. And encouragement is just really a way that we, with our words or with our actions, we just give someone some courage. We give them just strength. So maybe we bring them a meal. Maybe we have a conversation. Maybe we just sit with them and love them and comfort them and listen to them. Maybe we strengthen them by just giving them a word from the Lord. Maybe we warn them by lighting a fire in them and showing them, listen, what you're doing is dangerous. Don't do that. Don't do that. And so instead of just kind of sitting down and saying, can you believe what so-and-so is doing? No, don't do that. Go warn them on the path of, foolishness and plead with them to get back in the right way. And so the call upon our lives and our discouragement is to find ways every moment of the day with everyone around us to be speaking life into other people's heart. That's why Hebrews 3, 12 through 13 says this, take care brothers, 
lest there be any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Like encouragement's like a little vitamin B shot. It's just, it just gives you enough to make it through the day. It just gives you a little bit more strength. And listen to me, encouragement is so powerful that encouragement can save a life. I'm telling you, encouragement can give someone the strength they need to make it another day. And then another day and another day and another day. So when that dark cloud comes over and I start to feel discouraged, the solution is not to turn internal and expect everybody to do something for me, but the, the, the cure for that is to then run after God and run after people and to encourage them and give them the strength that, can, that gives them the ability to endure. Say one more thing. Luke 6.38 says this. Given it shall be given unto you. And according to the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I love that word picture. So here's what it says. It says, if you give with a teaspoon, it'll, God will use a teaspoon to give back to you. If you take a measuring cup and you give according to the measuring cup, then God will use a measuring cup to give, give back to you. If you use a bucket, God's going to use a bucket. This is a kingdom principle. This is just a kingdom principle of life. And it's true about money. I, many of you can give testimony to the fact that you used to give a little teaspoon. And when you stopped giving a teaspoon and you gave more than God blessed. And this is true. I'm here to give testimony to the fact that you can't outgive the Lord. But do you realize the context of that verse is not simply finances? The context of that verse is about three things. Mercy, love, and forgiveness. You give a little teaspoon of mercy, you're going to get a teaspoon of mercy back. You give a little teaspoon of love and grace, you're going to get a little teaspoon back. Let me tell you something. You give a little teaspoon of encouragement, you're going to get a little teaspoon of encouragement back. But if you pour out the encouragement on others, God has promised he will pour it out on you. We talk about living the gospel of Jesus Christ. Living the gospel means that I am choosing to be like Jesus. And instead of constantly looking to be served, we're choosing to serve. And we serve by the means of encouragement. And every time we do, somehow in the goodness and providence and sovereignty of God, we get encouraged. You just have to believe it by faith. So listen, if, if you're discouraged... You gotta start running to Jesus. Some of you need to make a decision right now, today, for the very first time. Some of you are battling this during the mix. Some of you are visiting this morning. You know you're not running towards Jesus. Sin is self-harm. You're continuing to harm yourself by going out of the way. And I'm pleading with you to make a decision to give your life to Jesus today. Some of you have given your life to Jesus, but you're discouraged. Keep running, keep running, keep running, running after Jesus. And be an encourager. God's bringing someone to your mind after the first service. A bunch of people said, as soon as you were preaching, I knew someone that I needed. Well, talk to him now. Talk to him this morning. Watch him. I went down in the first service and prayed over someone I felt like needed to be prayed over. And someone prayed over me. Listen, this is what we're doing. We're just, we're going to begin the process of just encouraging. Can you imagine a church of people running after Jesus who are looking for every opportunity to just give a little courage to someone who needs it? May it be true of us. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this sermon. May you trust and follow Jesus more and lead others to do the same. For more information, visit us at pabc.org.